for 25 years. Nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Ask me, ask Eliza anything. It's time to ask. Ask me all your questions. Leave them in the Instagram comment section. Leave them on your Twitter or leave It's a very special Father's Day edition of Ask Eliza Anything, and I've brought in, I've imported the expertise and body, uh, he's right here, of my own father. I figured since I have one, this would make a nice addition to our Father's Day episode. I was going to ask my neighbor, she's a retired middle-aged woman, <laughs> but I thought this would be more apt. Everyone, once again, my dad, Fred Schlesinger. Good morning, everyone, and uh, it's so exciting to be here. I think this is my sixth podcast with you. Is it? Yeah, you've oh. done how many? Couple hundred uh, right? on this network. Yeah, I, I don't know, but okay. in general, in general, from the from the very beginning, I think this is podcast number six for me as a uh, as a guest, and I'm really happy to be here. Um, I'm here in L.A. with Eliza and um, her beautiful uh, baby. Uh, my granddaughter and uh, Noah, of course, and uh, my wife and I are visiting and a uh, perfect opportunity to do this Father's Day edition of the podcast. You guys wrote in questions, dad specific, but in general, and uh, we're here to answer them. Today is it's a brand new day, brand new episode. Um, as we're getting into the summer months, it's time for some hot takes. Hot takes. So here we go. First of all, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, having a wonderful time out here in L.A. Uh, we went to the aquarium yesterday and took the baby and just to watch the baby's expression, seeing all the. But you didn't. You didn't participate in the touch tank. N no, I didn't. I, said, I I found it to be. <laughs> it's just so. Ooh. Touch a jellyfish on the on and its head. And what your fans don't know is is I'm still going through my trauma of the horseshoe crab when I was nine years old. So I'm really... No one asked you to step on a jellyfish. They I know, said just but just the touch. You didn't want to pet the shark? No. They no. Didn't... I know, they're smooth. They're smooth. No. I, I, I almost touched the stingray. I was very close to touching a stingray. If you have a chance and you're in Southern California, check out the Aquarium of the Pacific. We do a lot of work with them and it is a very special place. I also highly recommend the lorikeet exhibit because it's an enclosure you go in and they just zip right by your face and they will bite you if yes. you don't have nectar. Or if you stand still long enough shit on you. Yeah. 
It's luck. They say it's good luck, but I think it's just to make so you feel better. Aren't they parrots? A lorky? Like I kept saying, the lorky, lorky, lorky is it's a fucking parrot. It's a beautiful, exotic, I think Australian. But what makes parrot. it a lorky and not a parrot? Lorikeet. Lor- oh, so that's like a parakeet. Yeah, it's like I think the keet. I think the the, the, keet the suffix the, of keet makes yeah, it so something diminutive. There's someone like ito, like ita No, I think it's Spanish. a I think it's a genus or a phylum. I'm sure there's some animal parrot PhD listening that's just pulling her feathers out. It's like what is like, it? It's a kingdom, not a I species. Can't believe that we have this special species and then lumping it all together. Beautiful bird. Beautiful. Not as beautiful as Tianfu. Here we go. Tree says, hi, pod crew. My husband and I are in an uncomfortable situation and wanted to get your perspectives as daughter slash dad. It's a little long, but context, you know what? I'm reading it. It's not that long, but I appreciate the warning. My mother-in-law fell into a relationship with the first guy that asked for her email a couple of months ago and her husband suddenly passed away. I'm sorry, after her husband suddenly passed away. (laughs) He didn't pass away from the email. (laughs) What? It's an earthlink. (laughs) Although it was so soon, we were happy she wanted the companionship. Fast forward a few months, my mother-in-law was starting to behave differently and pull away from her usual friends. We found the boyfriend on Facebook and saw some red flags, no pun intended. He's extremely right-wing, conspiracy theories, anti-LGBTQ, pro-guns, etc. Sharing absurdly fake and poorly edited memes. That's actually the worst part. (laughs) Quotes and facts. He's gone so far as to say 9-11 was entirely CGI. Woof. That no planes flew into the building. Steel doesn't melt on its own. My husband and I were mortified. My mother-in-law has gone along with it and read articles he's given her because she, quote, wasn't reading the right news and said he brings up good points. She is so different and very hard to be around. They're not together in person yet. We've, oh God. We've asked her to mind what she shares for our 18-month-old and watch her finances. What more would you do? Do we ignore this because she's my mother-in-law? Help, tree. Okay, so what we would need is a little more context pre-death, like before her husband died, was he very sick for a really long time? Did he get hit by a car? That type of thing. Because it seems to me that she was suffering from loneliness and she, you know, uh, any port in a storm, the first guy that showed any interest, she dove into. She hasn't been with him physically. This is all over email. Right, which is even more horrifying. Yeah. So I think as the daughter, and the daughter's writing this to us. Daughter-in-law. The daughter-in-law, she and her husband or the son need to constantly be reminding her of all of these scam artists that are out there, and we see it all the time, and that's, the, that's all they could really do is just keep warning her about this in hopes that, the guy will slither away or she'll cut it off because the next step is um, possibly him trying to uh, uh, glean her money from her, that type of thing that we see all the time. You know, these are red flags personality-wise. These th- <sighs> It's a very aggressive, one-sided personality. It's, but it's it's a very normal person to encounter in America. And I... Of course, you should always, uh, it's great advice, mind your finances, be careful what you share, stuff like that. But these markings are not of your typical Tinder swindler scammer. These markings are of just some lunatic. Psycho. Who gets his news from like freedomlibertybaldeagle.org and spreads it around. So I don't know if his intention is 
to scam her as much as it is to indoctrinate. So I guess you want to sit down with your mom and be like, what about this is appealing? Was your dad super conservative? So this is an easy bridge. You, Of course, I agree with my dad. You keep reminding her. And, and you also, you know, fire back and be like, okay, so he thought 9-11 was fake. Does he think these school shootings are fake? Just get her to really explain it because at the core of it, she is lonely. So is there another guy you can introduce her to? Right. Can you get her out? I know it's like you don't have time for that. At the end of the day, she's going to make her own choice. Yeah. But you just kind of be her protector. Yeah, I would strongly encourage her to sample the uh, the salad bar and date other men and then have a basis for comparison. And then if she wants to gravitate back towards this lunatic psycho, that's her business. But she should be out there uh, dating other men as well. Post. I, this happens a lot especially as people go. And it's also easier said than done to get out there and date, especially as we get older. But yeah, we don't know how old she is. We don't. We don't know what she looks like. We don't know where you live. It might be like a farmer's only situation. So for her sake, because I think the older generation is not as adept at navigating social media in the way that uh, maybe Gen X or millennials or Gen Z just kind of keep an eye uh, and also ask her, like, where is this guy? Look, if he lives in Ottawa and they live in Vancouver, I understand why you want me, but- how about, they how about after she spends some time with him, uh, they say, hey, we'd love to have him over for dinner if if he's local. I mean, it's if, yeah, if he's local. Ask, I would like to know what's up with that. Uh, and also maybe show her movies like Tinder Swindler or Good on Paper to show that, like, is there- does he always have excuses for why they can't meet up? But I don't think this guy is after her money as much as her brain, which is scarier. But but at the bottom line to this, Fresh and, and then let's move on. Okay. It doesn't sound like a foundation for a healthy uh, relationship. And that is the message. That's the, that's the pitch of our movie. My mom was dating a January 6th lunatic. So I hired someone to date her, but then they actually <laughs> fell in love. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. No additional charge and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Eliza. I'm busy and this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby, I'm back to work, I'm at meetings, I'm on tour, I'm running around and I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am, and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. 
Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. Anonymous, my father passed away and left us an inheritance. My wife and I may have to relocate in the next year. What are some fast, easy ways to invest our monies and have a little bit more return? We have CDs on the docket already. We truly want to, one, have a good retirement, two, maybe start some generational wealth for our kiddo and our niece. All right, so- I'll handle this. (laughs) No, you won't. I don't know. So I understand- um, when you're dealing with money that you want to make some fast growth on, interest on, profit on, you can't have it both ways. So I was a financial advisor for almost 20 years, so I'm giving you really professional advice here. If if liquidity is important- With the caveat of this is just advice. Yes, absolutely. Don't sue me. Right. Sue my dad. If your priority is liquidity, and hopefully you know what the word liquidity means, having money that's uh, readily available, you can't make a lot of money off of that money. So the best you could do is to put it into a uh, very low-risk mutual fund, and you're going to get a couple of points on your money, but you'll have the liquidity that you might need. Do not tie it up in a CD if you need liquidity because the CD you really can't touch unless you're willing to pay for penalties for at least a year. And then you need to read the fine print from who's ever providing the CD. But I would stay away from CDs, even though right now in today's high interest market, they're semi-appealing. Find yourself a good, um, low-risk mutual fund. And over the period of a year, you should be able to make a few percentage points um, 
And that's what I would do. Do not tie up this inheritance money long-term, particularly if it's needed for short-term needs or wants, which is the liquidity factor. I concur. <laughs> you have no choice. You're at gunpoint. Hi, AIA crew, and especially Fred. <laughs> However, this person is anonymous, so you'll never know. Always with the anonymous. I know. Nobody wants to, you know, we should be revealing. We should be giving them names. This is from Susan. Okay. Because it's not. So I don't like anonymous. I, think I, it, I hate anonymous. You know why? It's too anonymous. Annie. <laughs> like, I don't know who I'm dealing with. Yeah, I, like well, to know, I like to know who your fans you're are. You're about to get to know a lot about them. Okay. Just not anything. Right. Hi, AIA crew, and especially Fred. Fred. I could use some dad advice from a dad who's not constantly pressuring me for a grandchild. Oh, yeah. I don't think you've ever asked. Oh, no. That's not my We certainly wouldn't ask the other ones. <laughs> no, because... They're not in a relationship. My boyfriend and I have been together for close to three years now. We love each other very much and have had sexual, oh, I'm sorry, and have had several Ooh. serious conversations about marriage and kids. The only thing is when we discuss timing, we tend to be a little vague on it. In the next couple of years, quote unquote, kids before I'm 40, quote unquote, et cetera. For context, I'm 35. My boyfriend's 33. I'm happy with the relationship and do know it's going somewhere. I just want to be surprised with the engagement. I'm getting asked from many different people, including my boyfriend's own parents when we're getting engaged. This is their son. Why not ask him? My question is this. Am I being too go with the flow about it all? Is it actually time for the shit or get off the pot conversation? I could use some advice and especially some dad advice. So, so, so to be clear, is this, a, is this a question about being pressured into getting engaged or pressured? To, you, you started the uh, letter off by uh, saying that you feel pressure about having a baby. You're not even fucking engaged yet. And you're uh, like, I don't get it. There's something missing. So, um, so there's no context there. B at 35, um, I would, I would be very sequential about this and say, okay, let me focus into the engagement. After you get engaged, assuming you do get engaged, give yourself and your new husband three, four, five years to really enjoy each other as a, a married couple and really get to know each other before you consider or think about bringing in a, a baby into this. Well, she's 35, so I don't think you give yourself five years. I said three to five. I thought you were going to say months. No, not months. At least a year. I wanted give, to give be married. I got married at 30. I know, uh, but we don't know how healthy she is. And, and let's face it, my wife didn't give birth to our two kids till she was 41 and 42, so we had uh, sure, kids back but to back. Hold on. That wasn't super easy. I'm just, of course you want, I mean, I'm sure we all think about our age. You know, it's not like you're 26 and it's like, give it a beat. Um, but the issue, what I'm reading here, the issue is, and this happens all the time, the woman gets asked these questions and right. the guy's just like, I don't know, right. I'm out hunting. Yeah, he, he should take an, he should make an investment. And she's right. The, when, when his parents are pressuring her, say, what, what do you want from me? Talk Ask to your son. son. He's I, in talk the next to room son. taking a shit. Ask your son. Knock on the door. Say, Vinny, when are you going to put a ring on that thing? I just think you also, I think you've fallen victim a little bit to the, hey, just be cool. Go with the flow of it all. Deep down, what is it that you want? Deep down, if whatever you said you wanted was going to happen, what would you ask for? And you can be surprised by the engagement, but I think you're, 
taking, you're giving up a little too much power because he could be surprising you tomorrow or he could be in no rush because he's 33. So he's definitely in no rush, no matter how much he loves you. It's three years of marriage plus you're 35. This is not about pressuring. This is not about being annoying. You can have the conversation. Ask him what he's thinking. Engage from that. If he's like, I don't know, I was thinking in the next five years, that doesn't work for you. You can talk about it. You can have these very adult conversations and you can go and look at rings and it can still be a surprise. And when you're going to look at rings, look at him, look at his body language, look at what's on his face. And if, and, and if there's any kind of negativity when you go into the jewelry store and you're shopping for rings in the case and, and you see him uh, you know, being disengaged or not being as excited yeah, as you are, that's, good. that's a red flag. The other point I want to bring up is tell him to tell his parents to, to butt out of it. And if they have any questions to ask him, not you, it's bullshit. And you don't need the pressure. No. And you need to make sure that you and him are on the same page. He, he His timing may be way off from yours. Uh, it is. Because your point, Eliza, is well taken. A man who's 33 is different than a woman who's 33. 35. She's 35. She's 35. This is even more so. And he's going, hey, I got plenty of time. He's not thinking about it. You may, bottom line, end up just moving on and trying to meet another guy if this guy isn't on your uh, timetable. And, and look, there's nothing sexy about an ultimatum. No woman wants to right. be like, hey, like you don't want to prove your worth. He should be jumping through hoops to get to marry you. It also well, could be- assuming she's attractive. It also could be- uh, He's clueless and he's like, oh my God, I had no idea. So get on the same page yes. so that they stop asking you because what deep down, it makes you feel dumb and, and, and it makes you feel unempowered that the parents are like, when's he going to marry you? You're like, when is he going to ask me? Why are you asking me that? Weirdly, it puts the onus on you as a woman, even though it's something you're wanting him to ask. So talk to him because you're tired of looking stupid like you don't have the answers. And and are they living together? That's yes. important. Yes. They are living I'm together. I'm pretty sure. Okay. So so I would start asking him questions like, and so uh, how do you see, you know, once we're engaged and married, how do you see our lives being any different than they are right now? I, I don't think, this is not like a Miss America pageant question, but I also think, are you on the same page and are you ready to move forward? You don't want to have like, hey, I'm worth it. Marry me now. It's, you kind of want to know what's on his mind and if your values are aligned. So you need to talk to him. Uh, and, and, and unfortunately, you are bearing the brunt of this because you're the girl. But you need to also decide what is it that you want deep down. I think what you want is to be married to this man. Well, it might be just to be married and this guy happens to be it might, or it could the be, closest. It could be this you guy. Know, a lot of women just want to be married. Uh, yeah, the majority of uh, yes. the questions. But that's what you want because you're tired of explaining, of talking for him, yep. which happens a lot in marriages where the woman has to do everything and, and you don't want to feel bad or dumb. Hello, Fred and Co. I write to you as an objective person who's also a dad. My childhood, we're going to name this person Gary. Hello, Fred and Co. I write to you as an objective person who's also a dad. My childhood was tumultuous thanks to my own father's constant lack of employment and infidelity, culminating in my parents' divorce when I moved out in my 20s. It was a bad split with my mom coming home to find him in bed with another woman, a close family friend. 
and the police being called. I chose not to speak with him for a while because of how he treated my mother, but the guilt of having only one father crept in and we talked maybe four times a year, mostly for holidays and family events. I'm now 40 and married with no kids. I still harbor a lot of anger and resentment toward my father and find myself swallowing a lot of it when he tries to blame my mother's side of the family for ruining things. He's 70 and I don't think he realizes I'm an adult with my own perspective of how badly he treated my mom. At this point, is it worth telling him that he doesn't really know me anymore and I think he's full of shit? I've come to terms with him being someone I can't look up to for guidance or wisdom, someone who will always blame others for his failures. But do I tell him how I feel or just pull away? It's hard to play happy father-daughter when... Ah, I thought you were a boy. Yeah, we did too. Mm. It's hard to play happy father-slash-daughter when I feel okay. like... When we feel like strangers. Help. All right, so can I... Can I... Oh, my God, no. You're the objective person who's also a dad. Right. Not the person writing. Yeah. Sorry, I... No, no, I got had that a brain from fart. I didn't. I saw the word dad, and I was like, oh, it's a dad. All right, you're a girl. Congratulations. Okay, so it's Geraldina. Geraldine. We've got to give it a name. All right. So right. I'm going to answer your question with a question, which I rarely do. But in this case, it warrants it. Does the Band-Aid of guilt that you want to apply to the deep emotional and psychological wounds, will that heal your wound, the Band-Aid of guilt, because you said you're suffering from guilt? If the answer is yes, then you got to go with it. If the answer is no, then move on from him. And and as a dad, I that is the best advice that I could give because you you at the end of the day you say to yourself, ah, after all, he is my dad. That's the band-aid of guilt. That but I don't think that band-aid is big enough to cover the deep scars and wounds that you've accumulated over the years. And so you have to ask yourself, you got to look in the mirror, you got to be self-accountable. And if that Band-Aid will cover it, fine, then re-accept him back into your life. If it won't, then move on. That's fair. At the end of the day, he will always be your dad. And at the end of the day, you're the only one that's uncomfortable due to his shortcomings. I think, and I live by this, it's worth saying to him, calling out his bullshit, not at every turn, but when it really gets upsetting, maybe it's writing a letter or frankly, just saying, actually, you did this and this and you are where you are because of what you did. And I'm not buying it because he's still gonna, you're still gonna see him that four times a year. It's not like the relationship, the relationship could only get better because you've already dealt with the relationship that's worse. So you really don't have a ton to lose. And it kind of feels like maybe you're all that he has, but I think for your own mental health, Sometimes what's important is not so much that you were heard, but that you got it off your chest because you're stifling, you're, you're, you're pushing all of this down just to accommodate him, but it's not serving you. So you may as in my opinion, you may as well say exactly what you think and feel. And, and, and also contextually, how many years has it been since the divorce? He's 70. So has he become a better man, a better father? Uh, in his actions and his behavior over the last, what let's say it's 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, or is he pretty much the same shithead that he was when he got caught in bed with your mother's close friend? If he hasn't changed his ways, he's the same shitty father to you and bad person, then you need to move on. 
but also and pick- so you see him four times a year, and so you placate him and you smile and you satisfy. I think you choose your battles. Yeah, I think if he's always rambling about this, you know, you deal with you let some of it slide, and then when you feel it bubbling up, you can say, actually, that's not what happened, and you were pretty terrible to mom. Just be ready for a conversation about it and be ready to stay on your ground. But you do have to pick your battles. It cannot be every time he speaks because this might just be his personality trait, flaw, quirk. It's to him just running this racket. So you have to let it go to a degree because you don't have enough energy. But but has he stepped up to be a better father also? Forgetting about being a good husband, forget about that. But as a daughter, you have to say to yourself, has, has he worked hard trying to be a better father? Or is he just you know, uh, complacent about it. I mean, you say I'm 40 with no kids. I still harbor a lot of anger and resentment toward my father and find myself swallowing it when he blames my mother's side of the family. Hash it out. Be like, I have some things that I have to say. He might surprise you with his accountability or his side. There might be some speckles of information that maybe you didn't know. Not that it makes any of it okay, but because you were younger then and you don't have, we never know all the things that go on in our parents' marriages. It might be nice to see if he's amenable to just getting it out because I think you just got to get this off your chest. And then you will notice that you can let more and more things slide because you said your piece. But right now you haven't said your piece. And time does heal a lot of wounds. But maybe he was forced at gunpoint to have sex with that close friend. That happens. He might have been held captive. You never know. And he might have been forced to, I mean, those things happen. what, Dad? To to have sex with the close friend and have no choice. And there might have been other thugs around the bed and and he might have been under pressure to perform. Right. And, may, and maybe there's empathy there. We yeah. don't know. We don't know. We'll, we'll never we'll know. We'll never know. <laughs> Let's go. But what we do know is we need to move on to our next question. What we do know is that that's a totally likely scenario. <laughs> when you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like, mm, French. It's like, do you speak French? No, I don't use it. I feel like a lot of us had difficulties learning a language in school. Rosetta Stone is here to change that. It's available on desktop and it can be used as an app on your phone or your tablet. Rosetta Stone are trusted experts for more than 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with an intuitive process and you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. That's right. You might even fool some locals into thinking you're one of them. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. I headed to Mexico City for a little vacation, and I used Rosetta Stone to brush up on my Spanish. Just a few things, few verbs that I knew I had forgotten, and I was better. Mejor. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. I do think there's something to be said for ordering something of quality and every once in a while getting a nice package in the mail with a product that you're going to own for a long time. 
Let me tell you about Bolin Branch's signature sheets because they're the perfect way to start upgrading your sleep, your room, the look of your room because they're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They are made with the finest 100% organic cotton. These sheets feel buttery soft yet super breathable and they're perfect for warmer summer months ahead. We have a house that we go to in the summer and I got all Bolin Branch sheets for the beds because we're having a lot of guests this year and I want them to feel like they're at a nice bed and breakfast that they didn't have to pay for. Bolin Branch sheets are free from toxins like synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde. I bet you didn't know that was in your sheets. And their signature sheets come in 14 versatile colors and they come in sizes from twin all the way up to California King. And Bolin Branch has a 30-night worry-free guarantee, which means you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them for any reason, you can send them right back with free returns on all U.S. orders. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowl and Branch. Go to bowlandbranch.com slash Eliza for 15% off your first sheet set, plus free shipping. That's Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com slash Eliza for 15% off. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, fabulous Fred and pod crew. My question is for Fred. As fellow New Yorkers, my parents and I have thick New York accents. What word have you said in a different state that got the most reaction from locals? Even though I work in Brooklyn, people around me are from other states and often find my accent comical in a loving way. They always repeat me whenever I say water, Webster Hall, Webster Hall, or Salamander. I guess there's, there's no R on that. Were you ever offended by someone making fun of your accent? Much love to all. Salamander. Salamander. So, so you know, the typical uh, New York, not East Coast, New York uh, right. caricatures, hey, how you guys doing? Now, that's offensive to me because I grew up on Long Island and that's very Staten Island, very, you know, Vinnie Tortellino, that type of thing. But people that uh, live in, let's say, Texas, or Arizona, or even the Midwest, think that all New Yorkers sound like that. I think they're all Italian. And they don't, because there are micro-accents. Right, so this person's from Brooklyn. Right. And so so you get that. So when I first moved to Texas- He says, what word have you said different in different states that gets the most reaction? Uh, coincidentally enough, the word water. Uh, How are you saying it? I've had, I go How water does, water R. No, water but, but a hard R. R. Water. water, water, water. No, but but in, you're saying water in the south they go water. It's a very soft. That's if you're from Georgia, you say water. Yeah, water. Most people say water. It's so warm in here. Pittsburgh, it's like water. Can I trouble you for another glass of water? Water. But but it's water. it's not really a word. It's just my accent and the the opening. Like you know, they go, "How you doing, y'all?" Okay, that's what they would But be he's asking what word have you, so you're saying water. I'm saying it's not a word. It's a vibe. But it has been the word water, which is coincidental, but it's that whole initial vibe. Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, what's up? Hey, uh, that type of thing. That introduction where uh, a Southerner go, what would a Southern, what would a Texan, when two Texans see each other for the, you know. Well, how do you? Howdy. That's how we all do it. Right. How do, how do. Which, which. Bless your heart. Oh, yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah, that whole, that. Have a blessed day. That type blessed of thing. Have a, no, they do. They leave it on their uh, voicemail. Have a blessed day. Now, is it blessed or blessed? It's blessed. How do you know? Because I've heard it enough. It can't be blessed? 
No. Blessed is- Have a blessed day. Like you want a day that's blessed I think God. if it's blessed, it means the Lord is going to bless it. Like this is something that is to come. Blessed is something that happened in the past tense. Blessed is yet to have happened. So nobody would ever it's say- It's like uh, mashallah and inshallah. <laughs> no, so nobody would ever say, Liza, have a blessed day. Blessed. It's a blessed Just day. like the how imperfect it is to say he is risen. Jesus has risen. He had- he had rose. He had risen. Wait, wait. He didn't arise? It's, no, they say he is risen. He's he is arisen? currently rising. It's not arisen? But it was in the past. Nope. They say he is risen. Come on, you're from Texas. So it's like he is woke. No, it is, it's its own, what is it? Present imperfect future tense. He is risen. Why are we getting into Jesus? I'm just giving you examples of Jewish gerrymandering of grammar in okay. a religious context. Yeah. But anyway, when I first moved to Texas, I got tremendous ridicule. You know what word? All right. All right. Uh, no, just the way you'd say it, like, all right. All right. Yeah. It sounds very East Coast. Right. Where it's just like, all right. right. Or, no, or, all I right. go right. I don't say all right. I go right. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, but I do start a lot of with yeah. Yeah. And that's a very yeah. East Coast New York yeah. Yeah. Y-E-H-A. And you don't get that in the you, South. Yeah. You say, yeah. yeah. You don't get, you know, yeah. you're not gonna, you're not gonna. Gonna, 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 not going to. Which is also to. Southern, but it's the whole accent. Anyways. No, but gonna is very New York. Going to. Gonna have is risen. Right. Gonna be blessed. All right. Have you ever been offended by someone making fun of your accent? No, nah, I don't give no, a shit. No, it's fine. I, I'm a New Yorker. I'm you're like, also, I'm white, so you. it's fine. You know, it's like, fuck you. I don't care. Okay. That's well, your that's problem. Very aggressive. I think people yes, like it. Think, well, no. But New York. Fuck you, I don't care. Implies no, that you care. No, if if they don't stop, if they don't stop making fun of me, fuck you, I don't care. Oftentimes I find myself repeating people's accents, not as a way to mock, but as a way to log it in my brain, what that sounds like. Like it's very human to parrot it back so that I can log it. Yeah. It happens when I talk to Australian people, which is how I've mastered the accent. Or Kiwis, which is, is that very right? Yeah. Let's go, let's move on to a nice softball question. Hi, everyone. This is from Casey, Eliza, Fred, and Emily, and gang, longtime listener, longtime fan. Fred, what has been the most unnecessary food dish you've ever tasted? Restaurant or no restaurant? Love the pod, love your work, Eliza, and all the cute Instagram content of your dog and daughter. Just had my first daughter a couple months ago, and I get the tiny tree frog reference. I love that. Casey, mazel tov. Is it K-C-E or is it C-A-S-E-Y? K-A-C-Y. Okay, it's, it's, a, a, it's a girl. It's a true Casey. It's a woman. But it's who a had a daughter. Okay. She had a baby. Probably the most unnecessary dish, and my wife and I eat out a lot. A lot of you um, in our previous podcast, you know that I love food, love to eat out, l- love great service. Um, but we were at some... Chichi high-end frou-frou restaurant, and they served a kale puree. And being a, you know, just a regular guy wanting to eat meat or fish or chicken is like kale. First of all, I despise kale. I don't like the texture of it. Give me a nice uh, leaf of romaine lettuce. Uh, My wife doesn't like iceberg lettuce. And, you know, the lighter the lettuce is, the less nutrients it has. Right. So you always want dark, and kale is a dark green, but but it has that little like flowery, I, I don't like it. And then making it bothering to unnecessarily form it into a puree. Was it on something or was it a soup? No, it was like a little side dish. It was like a dollop of puree that it was served. I didn't order it. And I called over the server and go, what is that? And I go, oh, that's our kale puree. Everybody loves our kale puree. <laughs> 
stick it up your ass. I'm not okay, interested. Well, that's no, it's unnecessary, which is what the question was about. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, that's I will say this. <laughs> when we travel, you know, the big question is not are the jokes gonna land, not is the audience gonna have a good time. It's because the answer is yes and yes. It's where are we eating dinner? We don't like to waste a meal. I'm not a huge eater. I'm not a food fan like my husband is, or I suppose like my dad is, but I do always want to eat at the place that you eat there. And it's like, this is emblematic of the city or of the state. Um, And sometimes you go to these restaurants that try too hard. This is our Swedish meatball crab puree on a bed of grapes. Like sometimes you're just like, it's so much extra exercise it's like doing all of this extra stuff. And it's really like, you know, what's great is just a grilled piece of fish. And getting back to her point, Casey's point, it's unnecessary. Unnecessary. We don't need that in our life. Take it back to the kitchen and give me uh, give me some fries. The hallmark of unnecessary is dollops of sauce on a plate. Oh, Designs of sauce, especially when you get a dessert and it's like, there's three raspberry drops and right. a lemon swirl. And then we wrote the map, map of the treasure. And and what we thought would be a nice accoutrement is uh, extract of devil's blood we dripped on there. It was delicious. Toraline. I just got engaged and I would love to know, when it comes to weddings, what is worth the extra coin besides a photographer? Now, Dad, you've done this three times. I, I <laughs> is it Toraline or Torline? It's Toraline. Toraline. Okay. First of all, I think Emily misspelled it. I, I read through all the questions. Tori Leanne. This was one of my favorite questions. I'm so glad Tori you were. Tori Leanne. I'm sorry. Tori Leanne. Tor, okay. Or Toraline. Or TL. Can we do TL? Keisha. Okay. Toraline. So I no, love the question. Though. I feel that I, I love am. love the question. I hate the answer. I am I am uh, uh, a unqualified authority in that I've, I've uh, been through three weddings. Not proud of it, but something that was necessary in my life. And I think that if you're going to spend money- This is on, for your fourth wedding, what you're thinking. No, 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 no. There will never be a fourth wedding. No, no. Um, not in my life. <clears throat> if you're going to spend money, so think of the different categories that you and your fiance are saying, you know, like, where do we want to allocate our money? What's important? That's her question. It's important. And I think number one should be the entertainment. So I would spend money on a high quality DJ if that's the direction you want to go or I'm old school. I much prefer you spend the money on a high quality live band that will keep that party alive because that's what people are going to remember. They're not going to remember the food. They're not going to remember the flowers. Uh, they're not going to remember the- Definitely the, not the flowers. They're the, definitely not going to remember the flowers. They're not going to remember the napkins. They're not going to remember the dessert, you know, the cake. But we had such a fucking great time. I mean, that lead singer, uh, they played such great music. We just, uh, my wife and I just went to a wedding from one of our close friends. Uh, daughter got married and it was a pull-out all stops. They must have spent a quarter million dollars on this thing. This is in Dallas, Texas, which probably would be about 400000 in L.A. or New York. And they went out and hired a 10-piece show band, like a Vegas. No, but these guys. It's a piece were, too many. No, they had three black singers that would get onto the dance floor and dance with everybody. And listen, it was a few months ago, and I... I will remember it forever. And everybody had such a great time because the band interacted with the guests and, and the brides and grooms party and everybody else. So 
That's where I would allocate my money into the band. great, great, enti- well, great entertainment. Well, you said entertainment. Does it, because I said the band and you said, well, great entertainment. So well, does so that mean light dancers and, and bubble blowers and balloonists? No, no, no. The okay, music, so the, the band. music. Yeah, the music. The music source. And yeah. if you can. Because even if the food is good, if you're dancing, you're not even hungry. So I do, I agree, entertainment. And, and by the way, when people first walk into that room, you know, into the ballroom, let's say, and they see a live band, immediately they're impressed versus some guy standing there with three turntables. Or maybe there's pyrotechnics. I say you get a fog machine and as people walk in, you play the Mortal Kombat theme song. I want to paint a picture for you. Don't play the Rocky theme song as you come in. When we got married in Philly. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time, Mr. and Mrs. Beef time. Hyman Clemshaw. Let's give a warm welcome to the newly married couple. Steve and Gary Rimshack. <laughs> you come into that, and then the husband comes in, and then the wife. It's my wedding. Have some Welcome, time. Sheila and Sylvia. Rims. Car- <laughs> Carcassteen. Right. Hi, Fred. My in-laws never seem to have gotten over their empty nest. Their kids are mid-30s now. They hang on to their kids and their partners, so that's you, whoever's writing this, for all their emotional fulfillment and social entertainment and are generally devastated that we've all moved away. It's like they thought of college as some kind of summer camp and then everyone would move home like nothing had happened. Well, if the economy gets bad enough, they just might get their wish. They try to treat us like kids, but we really don't play along. I don't have any chemistry with them and the feeling is definitely mutual, but they're so desperate for social connection that they constantly beg for my time and attention anyway. It's tedious and offensive. I feel used. I maintain solid boundaries and I've had many conversations with my partner about this. They're only in their 60s, retired, and have plenty of money to entertain themselves. What advice would you give them to establish some of their own interests, connections, and independence? Aww. I guess I would need more context. I just wonder, you say it's offensive. I wonder what they do. Because in my mind, I'm like, oh, they just want to know and be involved. But if you're saying it's offensive, they must be doing something just truly annoying. I wish I knew. Are they they trying to get you to wear like a diaper? So going back to context, uh, how long have they been married? And you need to be objective and understand what their relationship is. Maybe they're just bored with each other and they got nothing else to do. Um, If they have a, you know, this traditional deep-rooted love for each other and a wonderful relationship, a wonderful marriage, then, then they would surround themselves with other things to do, particularly since they now have time on their hands since they are retired and they have the money to enjoy themselves. So I would be constantly encouraging them to be traveling, join a a travel club as a couple and get out there and develop relationships, retirement relationships with other people that have the time and that have the money to do what? I mean, Look, you work your whole life, let's say you work 35, 40 years to enjoy the last 10 years of your life. That's what fucking retirement is. So now you have, if you're in your 60s, you easily could have another 20, 25 years. Is this how you're going to spend the next 25 years tormenting me and pressuring me into spending more time with you? I spend all the time and and I want to be part of your life. 
but there's a part of me that, you know, doesn't want to always be with you. And you shouldn't want to always be with your kids. I don't want to always be with my kids. As a matter of fact, I got some kids I don't want to be with at all. Yeah, I don't even want to be here now. I really don't. But uh, I had no choice and I signed a contract. Anonymous. Hello, Eliza, Fred, and Emily. Absolutely love your podcast. I love listening to your take on listeners' questions. You never fob anyone off. Sounds very Ooh. British. Ooh. And it's so refreshing to get a different perspective. Is that an acronym fob? Or is that, does that mean the, like... I don't know what that means. What the a fuck? A fob is, is like a keychain that no, you used no, to get in your office. In America, but... Uh, but what I'm it, saying. But it could be an acronym. You never, you never fuck around. You never jerk anyone off is what right. I'm saying. I'm 35. No fobbing. No fobbing allowed. No fobbing below the belt. There's no fobbing on this podcast. I'm 35 female. Could this be a fobcast? This could be a fobcast. Yeah. Maybe that's the title of it. It's a fobcast. You want to get rid of the... No, I All don't. Right. I, like, I, like. I like the title. I'm 35 female from the UK with a partner and a five-year-old son. I love everything about being a mum, but I find myself torn between my old pre-mum life and my current life. To allow myself time with my son, I've changed to a career I'm not overly interested in that pays me 15 pounds less. I'm sorry, 15,000 pounds less a year than what I... So that's about... How many like quid? twenty? No, that's like twenty eight thousand dollars less. So it's, how many it's, quid is that? How many it's, quid? It's, I'm telling you. I like the word quid. Wait, less a year than what I was on pre mum life, but allows me flexibility to pick up my son. Maybe even thirty thousand less. 15,000 pounds less a year than I was on pre-mom life, but allows me flexibility to pick up my son from school. My partner is in a job that has no real future in it, despite having numerous conversations about what's best for our family. And we rarely seem to meet eye to eye nowadays on pretty much anything. I feel like I don't have the energy to keep on top of everything because the weight of it all seems to be keeping me in a funk. How did you cope with the transition into parenthood? What keeps that spark in your life, your day to day? day to day. Also, how do you share the mental load with your partner? I've tried on several occasions to share the load with my partner, but I find he either spirals with tasks such as meal plan for the week, or he uses work as an excuse to get out of helping. Oh, so, so any I, advice you have? Would be so right. I have a generational question before you answer the question. This is a generational. So when, when somebody uses the term partner, partner I know, does that does that immediately mean it's a homosexual relationship? No, I think this is a straight couple. But I think why sometimes would you use the word partner? I'm telling you. I think sometimes people do it if they're not married and ah. you're too old to you don't want to say boyfriend because it sounds so okay. juvenile. Right. I don't but okay, that's what, what you're saying. That sounds more like you're doing a Craigslist wanted ad. Regardless, this is her uh common law husband. And why mum and not mom? I mean, they've been What's saying What's the difference between the you and the O? They've been saying mom longer than we've been saying mom. Okay. So they get a pass. Okay. It's an That's, older culture. Right. Mum. Okay. Mumsy. Mumsy. I like mumsy. I actually like I think mumsy. you have to have a lot of money to say mumsy. Yes. I don't think any of us can you say mumsy. Have, you have to be like semi-royalty. Look, I work in show business. I don't have a normal job. The transition for me is a little bit more celebrated because I can make money and do skits and products and talk about it in my act. Like I can use it in my art. I think you are... Tapped out. So here you are. You've taken a job that you don't like as much. Ah, that's the key. She is frustrated. Is it a she? Mm -hmm. She is frustrated that she's being for forced to take a job she really doesn't like to fit into this new you know, life. It could be a guy. Well, it's a, okay, know. but it doesn't matter. Okay, this person was forced to take a job that he or she really doesn't want to do, and I think that's the crux of the question and that's the crux I, of her frustration. I think it's that His in, frustration. in conjunction with 
Mm. You're doing all the changing. You had the baby. You took the salary cut. You are doing all of these things to be a great mom and your partner has chosen to stay in their lane. They've made no changes and they're not helping you. And this is something a lot of moms run into. You're like, I'm doing everything. I've even changed my life to make yours easier and you're still not meeting me halfway. So we have to ask her or him, has resentment seeped into their relationship? Does she look at her partner and is she resentful because she's had to change everything and the partner just continued along as though everything was fine? That, I think, is an important question that she needs to answer. And also... Is it a thing where your partner makes more than you? You have sometimes this happens where the husband's like, I make more money, so I don't have to help as much. I, I can't give you what I do because yeah, but you are helping by making the money. No. No. Just because you make more money or even all of the money doesn't mean you're absolved of also helping I parent didn't say your child. Absolved. But that's what I'm saying. But you're so, creating this wonderful lifestyle because you generate no, all this money. No. No, that's it's it, it'd be different if she was like a kept woman and it's like, look, you look good and I pay for you to look good. This is raising a child. So and she also has a job. It just makes she just makes less at this. It's irrelevant. Um but she's not happy at what she's being forced to do. And that is first of all, first of all, you gotta take care of yourself first because a happier you makes for a happier relationship. And I, and I think part of you is saying, I did. I took the less the, the lesser salary so I could spend more time with my kid. This is a come to Jesus with your partner because what they're doing is not working. They may not know how to help. And it sounds like your partner's a very like blinds on, nose to the grindstone, keep going, stiff up a lip, keep calm, carry on. Uh, you got to sit down with this guy. Can you throw in a pip pip? Pip pip. Thank you. You got to sit down with this guy. And it's got to be, look, I'm doing all of these things I, I need to know how you're how you're going to help. It sounds like they're disorganized, but because you're unfulfilled at work and because you're burning the candle at both ends, it's not charming or quirky. However, they're helping. You have to be okay with not looking attractive and asking for exactly what you want. Because the fact that this person is staying in a dead end job is probably more emblematic of maybe their insecurities about their own skill set or not wanting to go out and get another job. And you can say, you know, you want to stay at the, and by the way, I made up that they're making more money than you. I have no idea, but they're staying at this job and it's not helping your family. So you have to say, how can we share this burden? Because I'm drowning. I mean, I, how do I mentally unload? I mean, we kind of just listen to each other, but it sounds like you don't really even listen to each other and you're maybe both overextended. So it sounds like you need to take a pause Maybe it is you go back to a job that pays more and you spend less time and your husband can pick up that slack. But I think you need to blow it all open to have that conversation versus suffer in silence, as many women do. Partner, not husband. Excuse me. My apologies. You know, it's interesting as we're going on to the next uh, question. So many of the re- our responses really center around more timely communication. Yeah. Whether it's timely communication between the partner on this last question or timely communication with the parents from the daughter that, you know, was the daughter-in-law that was being pressured. You know, the divorce rate in America is 55% and climbing post, uh, post pandemic. And the top five reasons for divorce are obvious reasons to everybody. But what's not obvious is the number one 
reason for divorce, can I get a drum roll, is not infidelity, not money problems, not kids, which are obvious, and they are all in the top five and contributory. But number one, far and above, is untimely communication. Oh, you never told me that you like me to do this. Or That's you- what I'm always saying. You got you to gotta throw it all out there because at least you will have been heard. Yeah. So my point is when we're answering these questions and when you answer them on your weekly podcast, so many of the answers center around untimely communication or lack of communication. I just wanted to say that. Got it. You got to say what you feel. You don't have to be a performer or don't a comic. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. You got to say what you feel. That way, you know where you stand. If you... If you lay yourself bare and you say it all and he still doesn't want to change, this may not be your partner anymore. Yeah. Because you you had a child together. You've made all these changes. There's also, do it softly because they might be scared. They may not know how to proceed, but say what you need to say. And you could say, but Irving, we've talked about this time. Everyone's an old Jew in your scenario. Eventually. Eventually, we all become old Jews. Big fat question, but I love it because there's a lot of detail and context, and it's about a wedding. Here we go. Are you ready to listen? I'm sitting. Long time listener, first time caller. My fiance and I listen to the pod anytime we're on a long drive and constantly pause to discuss. I love that. You are wise. I'm your target demographic. 30-year-old woman planning a wedding, working in healthcare, not a nurse. I have a master's degree and a dog I sing to daily. (laughs) It's me in another life. Anonymous question below with lots of meaty context. Here we go. I'm looking for advice on how to kindly approach my younger brother about my wedding next spring. I want to invite my brother, but I don't expect he or his wife will attend. They both have some mental health struggles and do not like to be in large group settings. It's been more than three years since I last saw his wife and it's not a COVID issue. I want to be as compassionate to their needs as possible, but I'm not seeking to guilt anyone into coming to my wedding, for sure. First problem. I can't imagine inviting my brother without including his wife, but if she's unlikely to attend, is it okay to give him a plus one? He has a friend who is close with our family, and if he was able to invite his friend as a plus one, he might feel more comfortable attending. Yes, it is. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. You want you want him there. You don't care if the wife comes or not, and right. it's great if she he's does. Your, he's your brother. And you he, don't want him to be alone. Also, he might just come by himself, but it is absolutely, and it's your wedding. And I'm getting the feeling that he, she doesn't have a relationship with the sister-in-law. Yeah. So it's absolutely okay. And if she takes umbrage with that, that's on her. But you invited her first. Right, right. That's what counts. Perfect. Do what's right. Take the high road. Nailed it. Second problem. My brother has a history of Irish goodbying from family events. Do you know what an Irish goodbye is? I have no fucking clue. It's just when you leave. Without saying like, goodbye. What does that mean? Irish it means goodbye. you don't say goodbye to everyone. Like you're just like, where's Fred? And you've just gone. That's terrible. No, it's good. Why is that an Irish? I don't know. It like feels, why it feels it be, offensive, but I don't think it is. Right. Why can't it be? Maybe a, it's like you, maybe I just. Why can't it be a Nigerian goodbye? Like why is it, why did the Irish get that were they, title? <laughs> now I'm just thinking of like internet scams. Maybe it's an Irish thing. Like you drank a lot and you didn't say goodbye because you were you drinking. Forgot. You forgot. I don't know. You but didn't an, know where you were. An Irish goodbye is great at a party when you don't want the hassle and tumult of saying goodbye to everyone, especially if it's a big party. The host doesn't care. So you just leave. I it's, know, but my question is why did the Irish get that credit? I don't, I don't know. Okay. If anybody has a, we could Google it. My brother has a history of Irish goodbye. Do we have Google? Do we have We Google? don't have that technology oh, we don't in have this it. house. Not yet. We don't have access. Okay, but it's coming. It's coming. 
2025. Like Christmas. My brother has a history of Irish goodbying from family events or not showing up at all. Ooh. I'm concerned. Oh, fuck. What is that called? It's called a Jewish mishap. <laughs> it's called a Jewish vacancy. I'm concerned that he will RSVP but decide shortly beforehand Ooh. that he doesn't want to attend, feels he will be too overwhelmed. Wait, wait. Then that's not your problem. He and his wife eloped and he hasn't attended many weddings. He likely wouldn't realize that by RSVPing and not attending, he's costing us about $500. I don't want money to be the reason I don't invite him, but it is. I would never tell him the cost, but it's just practical. It's a practicality of wedding planning. Yeah. So- you tell him. So they eloped. So maybe they haven't come back from the wedding. That's why they haven't attended other weddings. No, I think you should put it out there. And if you yes. have a relationship, a good uh, open relationship, uh, good uh, with good communication with your brother, say to him, listen, you know, I know you and I know what you're capable of doing. I would love for you to be at the wedding. If you, if you, it's not fair if you uh, last minute cancel. And if you don't want to bring your wife, that's fine. If you want to bring this family friend, that's fine. But I want to know up front what your intentions are because it's expensive. Each, each I, I, guest costs me 500 bucks. I don't think there's a problem in communicating because again, this isn't like some distant coworker you're inviting. You don't want right. to keep tagging. This is your brother who will still be your brother and problematic with his issues at the end of the day. So you call and you say that exactly that we want you there, but we don't want to spend the money because it's a decent amount of money. By the way, it's not like you're Bill Gates saying that. It's like, that's weird. Like you're not made of money. Say it and have an imaginary cutoff date. So whatever, maybe it's three weeks before the wedding, check back in be like, hey, we just want to make sure yeah. so we can lock it in. Yeah. He may still ghost you and not show up, but this is all about preventative measures but you definitely say it to him or maybe he's closer with one of your parents, have them call, lay it out there. We want you to come. He sounds- And we want your wife to come. Yeah, but yeah, if yeah. She he sounds come, mentally what, not like totally there. Well, we don't know that. We do know that. She said at the beginning. Uh, you say that and then have that fake cutoff date. Okay. Which I do all the time. We're giving great advice here. It's red way. hot. I tell you, this it's is fresh great soup. advice. My fiance thinks we should invite him and his wife but not include them in... The, oh, wow, this is the most specific. Here we go. Is this a new one? My fiance thinks we should invite him and his wife, but not include them in the buffet headcount. <laughs> his reasoning is that there's always more food than needed. So plus or minus one or two people won't make a difference. Great. I your, agree. Your fiance sounds very smart. He is smart. And Jewish. I'm <laughs> torn. That feels like a disingenuous invitation to me, but I also don't want to guilt him into attending. My wedding is an important day, but it's by no means the most important day of my life. It is just truly okay with me if he chooses not to attend. I just want him to feel comfortable with that and make his RSVP choice in good faith. Do I offer that he join us for the ceremony and cocktail hour and then sneak out after family photos? Do I just shrug and realize there's only so much I can control about this day? Yes, I know there could be other late decline invites, but I feel like if I can see this one from a mile out, I'll be stressing about him on the day. Yeah, she's she's spot on. Thank you, confused big sister. Yeah, she's spot on. The you husband's spot on with yeah. the buffet and there's more than enough food. It doesn't matter. And yeah. and and again, uh, our response to this is time of the communication. Sit him down next time you're you're having dinner with him, or next time you. Uh, FaceTime with yeah. him, whatever, and just say, look, I just want to lay these things out. And I haven't, there's enough stress in planning a wedding. There's enough stress. I don't need additional stress. 
I love you. Yep. I want you to be part of it. I do want you to be part of the pictures. And I do uh, open-heartedly invite your wife. If she chooses not to come, that's okay. You can have the plus one. And I just want you to be a part of a very special day in right. my life. If he is not mentally equipped to handle that, here's the thing. You know your brother. This is not about being a pessimist. I get accused of this all the time. It's like, you're being negative. I'm like, no, I'm compiling the evidence over thousands of experiments conducted and it's always the same outcome. Assume he will not be attending and your husband, your fiance is right. Do not include him in the headcount because there still will be food and nobody is going to be there with a clicker. Assume he will let you down. That way, if he doesn't, it's a surprise. But what you want is peace of mind. So you can buy yourself that by having that conversation, not spending the money, which I do think is a huge part of this. That way, if he shows up and he takes the picture, great. Don't invite, don't piecemeal it together. You're invited for the wedding. Don't include him in the headcount for the buffet. And I think that's a great solve. It's the money and it's showing respect. Well, it's the money and not wanting to be let down. showing respect to the sister. Let's move on. It's time for Top of the Cup. Top of the Cup. Top of the Cup. What's your Top of the Cup? Okay, so I gave a lot of thought. Not, not a lot of thought. I gave thought to my Top of the Cup for this episode and Bottom of the Cup. And what's amazing, and I don't know if this has ever been done before on your episode, is my top of the cob is also my bottom of the cob. How is that possible? No, in today's world- It defies physics. It does. Go it ahead. defies gravity. Okay. So this being a Father's Day edition of Ask Eliza Anything, the top of the cob is the enjoyment that I have gotten over watching my four children grow and develop and create their own individual lives. That's the top of the cob. As a parent, there's nothing greater than to see your child growing, both mentally, physically, and and becoming their version of what success is or their version of what failure is. And in there lies the top and bottom of the cob. I have four kids. I love them all. I love them differently, but I love them all. And seeing them um, <clears throat> embrace the world as it is today and the challenges that are thrown in front of us as a, as a gauntlet and how they deal with it from an attitudinal, attitudinal standpoint, how they deal with it from a physical standpoint, and how they don't deal with it. And the example is my oldest son suffered horrible, horrible losses uh, through the NorCal fires a couple of years ago. Attitudinal. Attitudinal. And how he has dealt with it, embraced the challenge, his house burnt down to the ground, his, he lost his crop from his farm, and he had nothing. And it's taken him two years to not only survive, rebound, but today thrive. To see that as a parent is simply amazing. And, and obviously to watch uh, Eliza's um, career not only develop, but blossom over these last 15, 20 years is incredibly satisfying as a, as a parent 
uh, as, as her father. Uh, and then my other two kids are working hard at becoming successful. So my top of the cob is to enjoy their successes. My bottom of the cob is to hold their hands as they struggle with their failures, but hopefully eminently to turn that around into the lemonades from the lemons that they were handed. So that's my top and bottom of the cob. I, I thought love- you were going to say like a well-toasted everything bagel. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like an easy one. No, no, this is a Father's Day edition. There's, there's some seriousness. There's there's depth here. I'm sorry. As a, as a parent. You shouldn't be sorry. And as a father to four wonderful kids. Yeah. Um, Three of whom are not aware of this podcast. <laughs> okay. Top of the cob for me, the smell of smoked meat. Ooh. We're having a party tonight and Noah has been outside with his smoker smoking a pork shoulder. They're oh doing a Korean, it's like a pork shoulder with oysters, but he's smoking the, the wood or the wood is smoking. And I woke up and my first thought was, it's Christmas. It's June. Fan top of the cob. Katie from Austin writes, I'm a chef and I often sternly tell my cooks to make it nice when they try and sell subpar food. I started saying this as a way to be concise since there is a language barrier with most of my staff. I recently remembered this as a line from the potato ribbon craft lady in Eliza's sketch show. And now they tell them to make it nice. Uh, And I have an internal chuckle about it. Love the pod. See, although only viewed by you, Katie, that sketch show is helping people. Bottom of the cob. Mine is um, when you go for ice cream and none of the ice cream flavors are appealing. <laughs> like we went to this. It's a really good ice cream place. Don't I'm not going to. I'm not going to because it no is names. good. Great ingredients. But I get there and you're like, I just want strawberry. And Everything like, was like so close. We have I'm- Himalayan guanciale. We have. With a dollop of devil's blood. Yeah, North American smoked chocolate. You're like, I just want. Charred shoelaces yeah. that we sprinkle in. And so I ended up getting mango sticky rice that didn't really get Oh, that spot. was terrible. No, it was tasty. It was empty. I don't it love an, an Alfonso mango. That was the word. Well, you're, you're not an exotic flavors person. That's not true. No, I you always salt. said. I love salt. It is nothing more exotic than salt and spices. <laughs> salt. And bottom of the cup, my neighbor's pride and joy is his yard, as is the case with many retired old guys. But the real bottom of the cob here is the fact that he's out there every other day with his aggressively loud leaf blower. Honestly, it's the worst sound in the world. Mind you, it is May. There are hardly any leaves outside. I swear he's just looking for things to leaf blow. Last week, I caught him leaf blowing the morning dew off his Toyota at 9 a.m. I wish I were kidding. I would tap him on the shoulder. In disbelief. Tap him on the shoulder. That's not an advice. It's just the bottom of the cob. Oh. Okay. Kick him in the pants. Takes off the headphones. You know, they always wear the- Maybe he's listening to this podcast. Yes. And I would say, motherfucker, leave me alone. Yeah. (laughs) Father's Day episode. It's been so great uh, being with you on this episode and being with you here the whole week in LA. And I'm just going to say to all of your fans, whether you love your father, whether you hate your father, you get one father and you get one mother- And please call your father, tell him you love him for what he is or what he isn't. And uh, that is my wrap for the day. Love should be all around in your life constantly. And there's a lot of bad fathers out there. There's a lot of mediocre fathers out there. And there's a lot of great fathers. And I hope you were blessed with a great father as I was because... 
I was blessed with an amazing father. And to this day, even though I lost him 44 years ago, we talk every day. I am, I am today and I'm not what today what I am because of my father and not a day that goes by that I don't love him. So I want to wish you all, uh, all of your fathers, a happy Father's Day. And uh, thank you, Eliza, for having me on your beautiful podcast. Feliz Dia de los Padres. Feliz Navidad. Not, ba, ba, ba. <laughs> well, I was saying happy Father's Day. Oh, so, so what is Christmas. it in Spanish? I just... Feliz el Dia de Dada. No, Feliz Dio, Dios de los Padres. Oh, you just looked it up. No, I didn't. Go ahead, say it again. Feliz Dia de los Padres. Okay, now sing it. It's like... Feliz Dia de los Padres. Pa, 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 pa. Feliz Dia de los Padres. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.